Welcome back to Crimes and Closets. This is Beth in my closet in North Carolina. This is Christy in my closet in St. Louis. <laughs> you forgot where you lived. That's okay. I was going to say the Lou, and I've never done oh. <laughs> You can change it up. It's okay with all of us. <laughs> Happy Monday. Happy Monday. Welcome in. Good morning. Good morning. How are you? Good. Yeah? Yeah, I'm good. I love recording gone. days. Oh my God, thank God. Do you feel it? I don't know. <laughs> you're, st- you're still upset about stuff. It's okay. I mean, no, no, but I'm just saying like nothing's happened. So I mean, maybe, yeah. yeah. Maybe. I'm less grumpy, I think. Well, I was still grumpy on Monday. Oh. Like the day after it was supposed mm-hmm. to be gone. Mm-hmm. So, but it only lasted that day. So maybe it was just like my body's like, whoa, okay. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> Anyways. We're doing great. Hope you guys are doing great. It's like summer. I mean, essentially, I'm yes. here for it. Mm-hmm. It too. rained last night and I opened the back door. And you know how like when it rains in the summer and it's like hot and it's raining, I was like, oh my gosh, it smells so good. Mm-hmm. I love the smell of the rain. <laughs> yes, I do too. I do too. I'm definitely ready for it to just be summer and like not have to deal with any school stuff anymore oh gosh we have crap all summer yeah well i mean we have stuff all summer but at least it'll be like non-school related exactly majority of the kids Mm -hmm. somebody has to go to summer school so you're right we have football Mm -hmm. all summer yeah because Mm -hmm. at our school football's year-round right yes so we'll just he has camps and conditionings and oh. practices and two days and whatever. Yeah, same, which is crazy because that's middle school and this is high yes. school. So it is crazy that that's the way it is. So it but. is. You're absolutely right about that. But anyway, we do what we can so that yeah. they have the best lives possible. I know, I know, exactly. <laughs> we're the best moms ever. No, I'm just kidding. Um, we have a really good summer lineup. Oh, for coming, we just yeah, we just. Yeah. Spit, had a little business meeting, and so summer's going to be fun. Yes. We have some surprises for you guys. I know. And I'm pretty excited about them. And even more Coming that up. we might not even have, you know, like that we're not even thinking of. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I'm thinking of a few. <laughs> okay. So I'm excited about all of them. So you guys, thanks for joining us. It's going to be yeah. fun. Yeah. What else do you have going on? Um, Nothing. Shocking. Okay. Sorry. I like nothing, that. Nothing has happened. No. I don't have a funny story to tell you. I don't have anything. <laughs> We're all caught up. Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, let's catch up with some crime then. All right. I'm ready. Here we go. Okay. Get ready for a ride. This is a ride. I told you just a minute ago before we hit record that this case seems like it's completely made up. Mm-hmm. There's just okay. like so many things in here that are nuts. It's ridiculous. Like oh. just ridiculous. It's very interesting. You've heard of it. I think you mentioned it whenever it came through that you had heard of it or knew it. I don't know which, but I'm sure I have some details in here that you've mm-hmm. not heard. This was recommended by our listener, Cami. Oh, okay. So thank you, Kemi. Yes. And this is the case of Stephen Rico. And it's spelled H-R-I-C-K-O. It has a silent H. Okay. I do know that name. Rico. 
And I don't want to spoil it by saying, is this the one when? So I won't. Okay. But don't. I'm not. I'm just just wondering if this is because you know me and names. Like I tend to like forget that. But anyway. Okay, so Stephen Michael Rico was born November 22nd, 1962, which makes him a Sagittarius. Hmm. My husband is a Sagittarius, independent, honest, quiet. Okay, okay. Mm -hmm. All right, Um, Steve's parents, he goes by Steve, were Michael and Mary, and I know that he had one sister. I think that he had two sisters, but I'm not entirely sure about what his sibling situation is. He grew up in State College, Pennsylvania. Okay. That's actually the name of the town. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. 60 miles from Harrisburg. Very uh, small, rural, rural, rural. I've heard of it. Rural town. Okay. Wow, that's going to be loud on the mic. Oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I hit the table because I get very frustrated because I can't speak properly and it's my job. <laughs> it's like my only job is to talk and I have such a hard time. So I apologize for that. Wake up. <laughs> Somebody <Okay>. just jumped <laughs> while they were listening. They were like, <laughs> gosh. Sorry. I'm edit that out. Anyway, um, but we're not going to be in Pennsylvania. We're actually going to the eastern shore of Maryland, which is where my husband grew up, which is a real interesting place to be. It's mm-hmm. on the peninsula. Anyway. Mm-hmm. Steve is described as being shy and reserved. He was very tall. He was six foot three. So big guy. He was known as being a gentle giant. In high school, he excelled in sports, playing both basketball and football at a varsity level. And he really loved all sports. He liked to work out. He liked to be outdoors. He didn't like to party or be in large crowds. He had his small group of friends, and he was quiet and soft-spoken and just a chill dude. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. After uh, graduating high school, he worked some various jobs, but then he enrolled at Penn State, and he joined their turf grass management program. So he wanted to work on golf courses. Okay. While there, Steve's best friend and his girlfriend, who also were attending Penn State, introduced Steve to a friend of theirs named Kimberly. Mm, I know that name. Right. (laughs) Kim was a fiery, redheaded woman. She was loud. She was outgoing and energetic. She loved going to parties, and she stayed very busy doing a million little things all the time. So Steve and Kim were basically – Complete opposites, but Mm -hmm. the two of them liked each other and began dating in the middle of 1988. Okay. After just four or five months of dating, Kim and Steve found out they were expecting a baby. Although this was not something that either of them had planned, they were happy about the pregnancy and they decided to get married because that's just the 80s of things. That's what you do. Right. So in March of 1989, less than a year after they had met, they had a small wedding in Steve's hometown. Later that year, in August, they welcomed a daughter that they named Anna. Steve worked at a small golf course in State College, and Kim was a stay-at-home mom, and they seemed very happy. At some point, Steve lost his job at the golf course, and so he moved his young family into an apartment that was located at his parents' house. Mm -hmm. 
he decided to take on the role at that point of becoming the stay-at-home parent since he had lost his job and wasn't working. So he took care of Anna and Kim actually went back to school and got her surgical technologist license. Okay. So she wanted to be a surgical tech. She then went to work as a surgical tech at various hospitals, and Steve eventually did get another job at a golf course. In June of 1995, the family moved to a suburb of Baltimore, Maryland, and bought a lovely home in the middle-class town of Laurel, Maryland, Mm -hmm. which is Western Shore, so Baltimore, D.C. side. Okay. Uh, Steve was working a very good job at a prestigious golf course in the area. He was the superintendent for the golf course. And Kim worked at a local hospital as a surgical tech. And she also volunteered as a child advocate for the court system. Oh. Which I'm going to look into that actually because that sounds like a really neat job. I know. It's not a job. It's a volunteer. Yeah. I think it's every time time I hear about somebody doing it, I think the same thing. Like, I think I'd be good at that. (laughs) Yeah, I'm a great Mm -hmm. advocate. Mm -hmm. They both were very involved parents. They coached Anna's soccer teams and went to all of her events at school, and they seemed pretty happy, although they were very different. You know, we've got this outgoing woman, this very shy man, but, you know, it seemed like they were making life work. Kim stayed extremely busy. She had a lot of friends. She was always running from one event or job or volunteer commitment to another. She it's kind of like she's overextended. We all know those people who like just do too much. I feel like mm-hmm. I went through a period of life where I did that yeah. <laughs> and then COVID happened and I was like, well, that's way better to not do things. Mm-hmm. So she liked to socialize and have parties and meet up with girlfriends or other parents. Steve worked very long hours at the golf course and he was definitely a homebody. He just liked to hang out at home, watch TV, work out, be with his family. Even though they seemed to enjoy different things, they seemed to make it worth and work, and they were both very good parents. By the end of 1997, their ninth wedding anniversary was just a few months away, and cracks began showing in their marriage. Oh, no. Kim confided in her friends that she was unhappy with Steve. She said that he was boring and lazy and that she had asked him for a divorce, but he had said no, that he wanted to work through their issues and fix their marriage. So Kim had agreed to go to counseling, but she really did not want to be with Steve anymore. Right. So it's not going to work because she's not giving it a fair shake, really. Right. Mm -hmm. Kim told friends and coworkers that Steve had begun drinking heavily and that he was depressed and required medication. Although the drinking part didn't sound like Steve, friends were like, well, I mean, you know, people change. Maybe maybe he did start drinking. And Steve also talked to friends about issues in their marriage and that Kim was unhappy with him. Mm. He did admit to people that he hadn't been the best husband over the years, that he was distant, that he kind of didn't pick up his end of things around the house or parenting, and that he had been battling with untreated depression. But he said that he was getting it under control, he was on medication, and he had a new perspective on his marriage and on what kind of husband and father he wanted to be, and he would do anything to save their marriage. He seems pretty aware of like what is going on and is trying to make things right. Yeah, and I think he was remorseful too in his part of what led their marriage to be where it was at this point. Well, and sure, I'm sure if he's battling or like what he's 
untreated depression. Like it wasn't intentional of what he was doing. It, right. He just he couldn't help it. And now he's like, wait a minute, let me let me do what I need to do. Yeah. It's kind of like getting him coming out of the fog and mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. actually starting to live his life now. Mm-hmm. Okay. In December of 1997, however, at a friend's wedding, Kim just so happened upon a 22-year-old Marine. Ew, here we go. I know. The two of them took a liking to one another and they began having an affair. So now Kim really didn't want to be married anymore. Mm-hmm. And this affair went on for several months. For, to everyone's knowledge, Steve wasn't aware that Kim was having an affair, but he wasn't stupid. He knew something was up and that she had one foot out the door. Mm -hmm. So like he Mm -hmm. was really worried, like I'm all in here and she doesn't really seem to be. So Mm -hmm. he was trying desperately to save their marriage and he confided in his best friend. So this is the best friend who actually set them up. Okay. And he managed a golf course as well, a waterfront resort on the Eastern shore of Maryland. So Steve's best friend that works at this beautiful golf course told him that they had a special Valentine's weekend package, and he suggested that Steve surprise Kim and bring her there for a romantic weekend to kind of rekindle their relationship. Okay. Steve jumped on the chance and immediately started planning a surprise for Kim. So on February 14th of 1998, the couple drove to St. Michael's, Maryland, to spend the night at Harbortown Resort. Their daughter, Anna, who was eight at the time, was staying the night with friends. So the couple were by themselves, and they checked into a very romantic room, number 506, that had a gorgeous view of the water and a complimentary bottle of champagne. Ooh, let me a complimentary bottle. (laughs) Maybe it had rose petals on the bed. It didn't say that, but that's what I'm picturing Mm -hmm. in my head. Mm -hmm. That night at the resort, this is fun, they had a special murder mystery dinner for the couples. Sorry. So this is an interactive play, right? You know what a murder mystery dinner is, right? Mm -hmm. I'm going to one, like in a week or so, with friends. not want to after this story. Well, that's true. (laughs) This play was called The Bride Who Cried, and it was a mafia-type wedding reception where at the reception, the groom suddenly dropped dead after drinking champagne. So the guest had to solve the mystery of who killed the groom at his own wedding. Okay. okay. Spoiler, it was the mother-in-law. Oh, okay. Wow. <laughs> the, the, the new mother-in-law, brand new. <laughs> right, like exactly. She, mm-hmm. she did not like him. Mm, yeah. Kim was very into this dinner. She was walking around, asking the actors questions. Steve did not seem to be interested, and he sat pretty quietly at the table most of the night, like eating dinner. After the dinner was over, around 10 p.m., Kim and Steve stopped by the bar and got two beers to take back with them to their room. Kim said that they turned on the TV and watched the end of the movie, end of a movie, and then the 11 o'clock news came on. Kim said at this point that Steve was sloppy drunk. Hmm. She said that he had drunk most of the bottle of champagne that was in their room and that he had wine at dinner with more champagne. And she also claimed that he was on depression medication and muscle relaxers for a back problem that he was having and that they were all just getting over a cold. So he had also taken some cold medicine when they got back to the room. a lot of different things. 
it's a lot of different things and not good to like mm-hmm. drink heavily on top of any of those things. Mm-hmm. Although guests at the dinner do not recall Steve drinking, Kim said that he was very drunk and that in his drunken state, he began making sexual advances towards her and pressuring her to be intimate with him, which she was not interested in doing. Mm-hmm. She said that the two of them fought and she got angry, so she decided to leave. She grabbed her purse and car keys and left the resort. Their friends, the ones that had set them up in college and the one that also worked at this resort that they were staying at, lived about 15 minutes away in Easton. Mm -hmm. So Kim said that she was just planning to go there and spend the night with them, like because they're super close by. They know they're in town. She didn't want to be in the room with Steve with him drunk and pawing all over her. That's a Mm -hmm. quote. You can't see me, but that's what she said he was doing. So she's out of there. However, Kim said that she got very lost trying to find her friend's home and ended up driving around for a long time. She said that she could not even find the main highway, which is Route 50, Mm -hmm. which I'll circle back to that later. But like I lived on the Eastern Shore for like three years and that's baloney. But Mm -hmm. okay. Mm -hmm. She said that she didn't want to call her friends because she felt bad about waking them up because it was really late at night. So, you know, I'll just show up unannounced. Right. Yeah. I'm just going to knock on your door, but I don't want to call you to find out where you're where you're right. <laughs> yeah. in the middle of the night. I'll just, mm-hmm. I'll just show up without calling first. It's mm-hmm. cool. She said that everything was closed, so she wasn't able to stop and ask for directions. So eventually, she just decided that she would try to go back to the resort, figuring at this point that Steve would be asleep anyway, and she wouldn't have to talk to him. Eventually, just before one, Kim found her way back to the resort. She said that she had forgotten her key card to open the front door, and she didn't want to wake Steve Mm -hmm. and make him answer the door because she didn't want to deal with him. Mm -hmm. So she remembered that they had been going in and out of the sliding glass door in the back, like on the back patio that day because they were looking at the view of the water. And so she was hoping that maybe that door was still unlocked and she could go in that way. Can't you just go to the front desk and be like, I need a new key. Okay. (laughs) Yes, you could. But like the way that this hotel, so it's not a hotel, it's a resort. Mm -hmm. So everyone has their own entrance and exit to the outside. They look like uh, row houses almost Mm -hmm. that are on the water. So like, the the lobby of the hotel is not even within walking distance. Oh, okay. So like you can't – she could have gotten back in her car and done that, but she just thought to herself, mm-hmm. I'm just going to go around back and see if I can't go in that door. But as she walked around back, she saw that the glass door was slightly cracked and that smoke was billowing out of the room. Oh, my. So she smelled smoke and she saw smoke. She's tried to look in the room but said that it was filled with smoke. She couldn't see Steve or anything. Kim said that she ran to a couple neighboring doors and banged on them for help, but no one answered. So like I said, the main lobby is like a good distance away. So she got back in her car and drove to the lobby calling 911 from her cell phone on the way. She ran in, ran up to the hotel employees in the lobby and told them that there was a fire in her room and that she thought her husband was still inside. So the hotel people also called 911. She's also on the phone with 911. An employee and a guest of the hotel who was just like a good Samaritan went back to the room and they were able to get inside where they found Steve laying on his back on the floor 
and they pulled him out onto the patio just as the fire department and emergency personnel were arriving. Mm. By the time the rescuers had arrived, the fire had already burnt itself out, but the room was totally filled with smoke. Wow. Okay. Sadly, Steve Rico was already dead from what appeared to have been smoke inhalation. He was only 35. Wow. Yeah. Young man. Mm -hmm. Steve's body was very badly burned on his torso, chest, upper body, and face to the point that he was unrecognizable. Oh, my goodness gracious. What started the fire? Did you – you haven't said that. We don't know yet. Okay. Okay. He was found lying on his back on the floor in between two beds in the room. The bed to the right was very badly burned, and the mattress was actually totally gone. So it was just metal springs. Mm -hmm. So it seems like that it had started on the bed. Mm -hmm. Now, this is odd. Steve's pants were pulled down to his knees, so he was totally exposed. And beside where he was laying was an open Playboy magazine. Huh. Okay. Which – all right. Steve. Why would he bring a Playboy right, to a romantic, romantic weekend with mm-hmm. his wife? Mm-hmm. He did not know she would be leaving the premise. Mm-hmm. Right. And apparently, according to Kim, she was porn and all that stuff was not something that they did together. Right. Because that was where my head went. Well, maybe he thought this might spark something, but I don't know. Who knows? Yeah. No. Mm-hmm. Not according to Kim. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Kim told police the story of what had happened that night about them getting in a fight and her leaving and that she had not been there. She did not know what happened, but she speculated that Steve must have been drunk and that he passed out clearly while doing his Playboy thing and that he must have been smoking a cigar at the time. Hmm. Kim said that Steve had always chewed tobacco, but that he had recently started to smoke when he drank and that both drinking and smoking were new habits of his. Mm. Okay. Kim speculated that the bed must have caught on fire and he must have been so out of it that he just never woke up and died and inhaled the smoke. I guess an investigation doesn't need to be done because she's got the answers to it all. Thank God for Kim. I know. Mm -hmm. The investigators did not agree with that and they were side-eye on her story. So they treated this like a possible crime scene. Mm -hmm. They did a great job. Mm -hmm. Maryland did a great job. They took Steve's body to the medical examiner's office for an autopsy. They did a thorough search of the room. They did find a box of cigars in Steve's possessions that had one cigar missing from the pack. They brought in a dog to sniff the room for accelerants, and he did alert on the bed and on the floor where Steve's body was found, but those areas were so badly burned that when they tried to forensically test them for accelerants, they came up inconclusive. Hmm. Okay. Kim was sent to stay with her friends that lived up the road, and her mom came down from Pennsylvania to stay with her because she was just inconsolable. Mm-hmm. Suspicions grew very quickly of Kim and her story in the next couple hours to the next few days after Steve's death, especially because police began getting multiple phone calls from Kim's friends and co-workers. Oh, what did they have to say? These people were telling law enforcement that they needed to look at Kim because she probably murdered her husband. 
Law enforcement were told of multiple comments and situations in which Kim had mentioned that she would like Steve dead because it would be easier than divorcing him, or that she had said a divorce wasn't an option because Steve would take their daughter away from her. She told one friend that she had considered telling Steve about her affair with the Marine in the hopes that he would end his own life because he would be so distraught. Isn't that disgusting? But she decided not to because you can't collect life insurance in the event the event of uh, death by suicide. Mm-hmm. So she said, "But if I could kill him, I would, if I could get away with it, I would you're, just do you're it myself." You're still not going to get your insurance if you uh, get caught. Yeah, murder also excludes you. <laughs> One coworker came forward saying that Kim had jokingly, in quotes, offered him fifty thousand dollars to kill her husband. When he, like, uncomfortably laughed and asked how she expected him to do that, she said that they could just inject him with a drug that would stop his breathing. Okay. Most damning is one of Kim's friends called the police and said that just about a month before the fire, Kim had confided in her while drunk that she wanted to kill Steve and she knew exactly how she would do it. Did she say how she was going to do it? She did. Mm. This friend said that Kim told her she would use a drug called succinylcholine. What is that? Well, this drug is used in trauma or in surgical situations to paralyze a patient's so that they can be intubated for breathing. Mm, okay. This medication paralyzes all of your muscles within four to six seconds of being administered, including your diaphragm and your lungs. So although you would remain conscious, you would eventually suffocate because you would not be – like your body would not be breathing. Right. That's why they have to put the breathing tube in. Right. So that would be the mm-hmm. only time that you would use it is in right. order to stop a person's breathing on purpose so you could breathe for them. Mm-hmm. The body metabolizes this drug within minutes and breaks it down into compounds naturally found in the body, so it is untraceable. Hmm. Interesting. So Kim told her friend that she would inject Steve with this drug and then light a cigar or candle and set the curtains of their home on fire to make it look like an accident. Huh. Well, just let's just do it in this resort because then I don't ruin my house as well. Isn't that... Spooky Mm -hmm. dookie. Mm -hmm. The friend was obviously super freaked out about this and was like, that is a terrible idea. You can't do this. And she was trying to point out all the flaws in her little plan. So she brought up that everyone knew that Steve wasn't a smoker. He doesn't smoke. It was actually pretty well known that Steve hated when other people smoked around him. Mm-hmm, because mm-hmm. like other people would smoke co-workers even said this like he made me smoke outside because he couldn't stand it mm-hmm. kim said don't worry about that because i took out a life insurance policy on steve for two hundred and fifty thousand dollars, and i purchased him a smoker's policy to make it look like he had recently taken up smoking and if they do a blood test nicotine will show up in his system because he chews tobacco what in the- don't worry friend i've already thought about it why one question why is this person not coming forward before she did this <laughs> okay well because it's crazy like it seems insane to talk about something like this okay so, but, but the friend so, was i'm sorry it's so planned out that you've right. got to say something 
Well, she, she, so this all happened at Kim's house. Kim's very drunk, remember? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So Kim's friend is at her house and she's freaked out and she called another friend of theirs. And she told this friend that Kim was very drunk. She told them what she was saying. And they were all like, don't leave her because Steve was there and in asleep. And so all of the friends were like, she may kill him tonight. She's talking so crazy that you can't leave him alone with her. Well, eventually Kim passed out. And so the friend was like, okay, she's clearly passed out drunk. I can leave. So she left and she called Kim the next day and asked her about all the crazy stuff she was saying about killing Steve. And Kim was like, I wasn't serious. I don't even remember saying that stuff. I was so drunk. I was blacked out. Hmm. So the friend didn't push it any further and she didn't report it to anybody else. But now – the friend and the other friends that also knew Kim was saying this were like, she killed him. Mm-hmm. She told us mm-hmm. this is exactly what she was going to do. So they're coming forward now. Right. At the time in 1998, the drug succinylcholine was not a controlled substance. Okay. So what that means is it was not one of those regulated drugs that stays locked away in a cabinet in medical facilities. You know, we have drugs that morphine, um, things that you can actually use recreationally. You have to enter a code. Mm -hmm. You have to, you know, there's a documentation of who took it out and when and why. This was not one of those medications. It was readily available on any surgical or trauma cart. And it would have been especially accessible to a person whose job it was to clean up an OR after a trauma or surgical procedures, like a surgical tech, Mm -hmm. which Kim just so happened to be. So the heat is on Kim now. She insisted on having Steve's body cremated, which we obviously can speculate why she did that. This was very upsetting to his family because they were strict Catholics. Apparently, that's not something you're supposed to do. Oh, which I didn't, I didn't know, that, know about. I'm not a strict. I wondered. I'm a strict Catholic. So. Yeah, something about. They want you to be buried on holy ground or something like that, and you can't be if you're cremated because it's like desecration. Hmm. I didn't go too far into it. Yeah, but. I haven't heard that, but okay. Okay. Anyway, we know why you had him cremated. We see you. Mm-hmm. Kim's home and car were searched, but there were no needles or drugs or medication or anything found. Kim initially denied that she was having an affair, but police told her that they knew about the Marine and that they had talked to him. And that all of her friends who also knew that she was having an affair, had they talked to them too. So she was forced to confess that little secret. So mm-hmm. not a good look. As Kim's friends all started to turn against her and the police started zeroing in on her, the pressure got very heavy. So while they were continuing to dig into her, Kim actually attempted suicide by overdosing on Xanax. Oh, wow. Okay. She was found in her in her bathtub or in a bathtub by a friend and she was taken to the hospital. So she had to have her stomach pumped, but was ultimately okay. She recovered. Mm -hmm. However, while she was in the hospital, Steve's autopsy report came in. Steve did have his prescribed medication in his system. He had one for depression, one for anxiety and a muscle relaxant. However, his blood alcohol level was 0.00. Okay, so he wasn't fall down drunk and – yeah, okay. Wasn't drunk at all. Mm-hmm. All of his organs were healthy and in working order, so that ruled out a heart attack, 
liver, kidney failure, a brain aneurysm, a blood clot, or any other natural causes Mm -hmm, of mm -hmm. death. No needle marks were found on Steve's body, but his body was so badly burned that they wouldn't have been able to see them even if they were there, most likely. Right. No other poisons or toxins were found in his system. They did try to test for the succinylcholine or any other paralytic drug like that. They actually did eight tests, but nothing was ever found in his Mm -hmm. system. But again, that was to be expected. Most notably is that there was no soot or ash in his lungs or throat, and there was no carbon monoxide found in his system. Meaning, (laughs) that's right, he had not inhaled any smoke from the fire because he either was not breathing or because he was already dead when the fire started. Mm -hmm. Steve's death was ruled a homicide, but the cause of death, even to this day, is actually kind of unknown. They think that it was because of this drug, but they can't prove it because they can't find it in his system. Wow, okay. Police were also able to track down the store that the box of cigars was purchased from that were found in Steve and Kim's room. So the box had a price tag on it and it was like, you know, one of those little white price tags and it has like the blue ink or whatever. And so they were able to go to a bunch of different stores and see like stores close to um, Steve and Kim's home and see which stores used those price tags. And they found the exact store, which was just about three miles from where they lived They interviewed the employees and showed them both photos of Kim and Steve. No one had ever seen Steve before, but one employee did recognize Kim as purchasing this box of cigars because she had made a comment about her red hair. Mm, Okay. Okay. They also tried to take one of those cigars and and the bedspread and pillows from the hotel and like recreate the fire to see Mm -hmm. if they could start it by dropping the cigar like he passed out or, you know, mm-hmm. whatever Kim's crazy story was. And they were never able to actually ignite a fire after like oh, wow. test okay. after test after test. So they couldn't recreate what she said probably happened. Mm-hmm. That was an accident. Mm-hmm. So when Kim was released from the hospital after her suicide attempt, she was arrested and charged with the first degree murder of her husband and first degree arson. And Kim pleaded not guilty. She had to be held in a psychiatric um, prison because of the suicide attempt. Mm -hmm. She went on trial in January of 1999. It was a five-day-long trial with lots and lots and lots of damning testimony from Kim's friends and coworkers. After three hours of deliberation, the jury found Kim guilty on both charges. She was sentenced to life in prison without the possibility of parole plus an additional 30 years for the arson charge. Mm. She has appealed her conviction twice, once in 2000 and once in 2004. Both of those have been denied. So she is currently 58 years old and incarcerated at the Maryland Correctional Institute for Women. And she still claims that his death was accidental and that she is innocent. Her Her daughter, Anna... Mm -hmm. Still, so she lost both her parents. She was only eight years old at the time. The life Mm -hmm. insurance did go to her. Um, She still has a relationship with her mom. She has her own children now, and she actually brings her children to the prison to visit with her mother. So I guess she believe that her mom is innocent. I guess I don't know. She's never spoken publicly about it, but 
she, she still has a relationship with her. This case was dubbed by the media as the murder mystery weekend killing and the dinner theater slaying, which I actually really hate that. Mm-hmm. I really hate that we, it's like how we give serial killers like mm-hmm. catchy names. I don't like that. And I don't like it whenever people give murders catchy names. Well, yes. And also, honestly, it makes it seem like it was done at the at the dinner. You know, you know what I'm saying? Like she did it during the dinner theater. Right. Murder, mystery, whatever. You know. Or that I, the dinner theater was somehow inspired her to do it. Yeah, or yeah, yeah. when mm-hmm. she didn't actually know she was going to a murder mystery dinner theater mm-hmm. when she planned to kill him. Right. She, it was a surprise. Yeah. She knew she was yeah. going away, but mm-hmm. anyway. Also, like I said, I lived on the eastern shore of Maryland for three years. I'm very familiar with St. Michael's. I'm very familiar with Easton and all the places that we've been today. And I'm also very familiar with Route 50, which she said that she cannot find. And there's no freaking way that's possible because it is literally the only road that goes down the center of the peninsula. (laughs) It's like you're going to see it. Anywhere you go, it's going to lead you to Route 50. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Kim. Yeah. So that is the case of Stephen Rico. Wow. So um, I only knew it, like knew of it because it was like a murder mystery. I never looked into it, but I just knew that name mm-hmm. was related to the that, them. That's the only reason I knew it. Right. So I didn't know any of your details or whatever. Right. But I knew that she killed her husband on a weekend after seeing Murder Mystery. Whatever. Right. Dinner. So. Yep. Because it makes it sensational. It just – everything about it sounds so fake. Mm-hmm. Like that she's talking to all these people about how she's going to kill him. Like who does that, first yeah. of all? Mm-hmm. And how in the world did not one, not one of them mm-hmm. ever said anything that actually led to like – like, okay, maybe you told your other friends. Mm-hmm. Hi. Tell Steve. Right, that's what I was going to say. Mention it to Steve and it le- at least like it's on his radar. Like she was really drunk when she said this and then said she was kidding, but this is what and she said. she offered somebody $50,000 to kill her husband with a paralytic drug. Like how about give him a ring? How about, yeah. you know, like so Steve. <laughs> yeah. Just yeah. for your own conscience. Like even if it's – but it does sound so crazy that you would be like, well, obviously she's never going to do that. Like, I don't know what I would do if a co-worker came up to me and said that. I know now what I would do. I would call Steve. Well, yes. But I like. I feel like doing what we do now. Right. Every, everything is going to be suspicion and suspicious and we would say something to someone about it. Yeah. But In yeah, our brains, all roads lead to murder. Right. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know. It's just really sad. And the daughter, I think, is like the most awful part. She's this sweet little eight-year-old living this super happy, like, you know, perfect childhood in this nice neighborhood, town, playing soccer, Mm -hmm. like, and man, one Valentine's. I know. Gosh. You know, and she said it was, she'd rather uh, like kill him than divorce him because it was easier. But is it though? Like, is it really easier? Right. It seemed to have gone pretty sideways. Yeah. I mean, yes, that, but it's like the process. Like, if it's easy to kill someone, that's not cool. 
Well, think about this. And this is what I think is the scariest. And I don't remember who said this on one of the documentaries that I did watch about it. I don't know if it was the prosecutor or just an investigator or somebody said that had she not run her big mouth, she would have gotten away with it. Right. Because they mm-hmm. couldn't find that drug in his system and they never would have had a motive. They never would have had her desire to want to do it, but she just could not keep her mouth shut about wanting her husband dead that she had to tell not just one, not just two, but like 10 people right? who would later come forward about it. Well, and having the story like set up for the police because they mm-hmm. were suspicious of her after it was just like, oh, well, he must have fallen asleep and they started smoking recently. And, you know, like there was just like too much of that, I think, too, and which is also running her mouth. But like, yeah, I think there was the combination of the two. Like if she had just mm-hmm. like called 911, never said anything to anybody, called 911 and was just like, let the police do their job. Like, I don't know what happened. I came home. Right. And, just, like, and this is what happened. Like I came back to. And that's mm-hmm. it. She probably, yeah, she probably would have gotten away with it. Right, exactly. But she just ran her mouth Mm -hmm. to her friends, to the cops, all the things. And that's scary, Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah, yeah. Wow. Well, that was a ride and it was kind of like Mm movie-ish. Yeah. (laughs) Like, yeah, interesting. Thanks, Cammy, for sending that Yeah, thanks, Cammy. Is she from that area? Is that why she – I don't know. She her? didn't say. I think mm-hmm. from my impression is it's just when she came across and was like, whoo, hey, yeah. crimes and closets. This one's for you. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. I love when people are like, Inter- we're interested in your take on this one. Yeah. I want to hear what you have to say about this I know. One. <laughs> That's my favorite. And then I always get nervous. I know. Like a nervous belly because I'm like, oh, what if they don't like what I say though? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> anyway. Well, thank you for doing it. Thanks for researching it. And you said there's a book, right? Yeah, there's a book, An Act of Murder. Okay. I, I didn't buy it. I had to get it on Kindle because it wouldn't get here in time. Oh, that's right. That's when you mm-hmm. – So I can't give it away. Sorry. Mm, well, that's probably okay. Yeah. <laughs> I wanted to do the case because I was so far into research at the point that I even found the book. There was a couple holes, so I felt like I needed to read the book, which was pretty short. So I just went ahead and got it on like electronic version. So That almost sounds like it would be – um, like an entertaining book, like a novel, not a true story. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, and it's very. Uh, there's a lot of. Um, it it is written like. Uh, a lot of quotes from the people that were like this author actually interviewed mm-hmm. people, and she has p- police transcripts and court transcripts and stuff. So there's a lot of like narrative mm-hmm. in it, which makes it be very like. True crimey. Right. Okay. An informational read, not mm-hmm. so much a sensational one. Right. And I think also she was trying not to sensationalize it. I think she was trying to be like, this is what this lady actually said verbatim quote. We right, have a yeah. recording. No, what I, what, what I was more saying is like not necessarily that book, but like the story just seems like something that like would be like a novel that I would read. And right. Like, oh, oh, right. This is a fun fake murder mystery. Like, right. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. It could be a, a murder mystery show. Right. Yeah. Like murder a whodunit. A murder mystery. I know. It's <laughs> wacky. Oh, well, thanks for doing it. Thanks for covering it. Let us know what you think of this. Um, gosh, <laughs> I'm just floored by it all for mm-hmm. some reason. Like, it's just crazy. Um, go, if you like what you hear, go out and 
check out all the rest of our episodes if you're new to us. We also have a Patreon. You can go check us out. We have all the links on our social media for you to find it. Um, We appreciate all of you out there who do listen to us and share us with your friends. And that's the biggest compliment you can give, honestly, is to share us. So share away. Come on out. (laughs) Come check us out. Um, And I guess that's about it. So always remember the world is scary. People suck. Hide in your closet.